Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Y'all ready for a good day? You ready for a great day? I don't know about you, but I'm just so thankful and happy that I get to come together with you guys every weekend and worship God like this. We are so thrilled that we are in, uh, today is the day we're starting our five-year anniversary celebration. And we've been telling you guys for a few weeks now that the way we chose to celebrate it is that we're going to have three straight weeks in a row of very special guests to minister to us here. So um, if you've been tired of this, this, just this dude, then... You're in for a treat for the next three weeks, right? So today is the day we get started with that. And, and like Caleb and Bree mentioned to you, this week, then next week, and then the final week, the October 6th, we're going to have a big, huge party. But today is very special because literally sometime over the past week-ish was the actual five-year anniversary when we first started Encounter Church. So give you guys yourself a hand for that today. And, and today, you know, this weekend was really special. Um, just tell you a little bit about uh, pastors Mario and Tamaro. They come from our beloved Bethany Church in Baton Rouge. How many of you have actually been to a Bethany conference at some point? Yeah. Like probably at least half of us. Uh, Bethany is a church we really look up to. They've mentored us through the years and helped us even as we're uh, planting this church and in the, the whole process. Well, last year, Julian and I went to Bethany um, to something called uh, All Access. It was just something special for pastors. And uh, Pastor Mario was the one who hosted us. And we just hit it off. And one of the main reasons we hit it off, besides the Jesus part of everything, is that Pastor Mario is a die-hard Atlanta Braves fan, all right? And so we said, you know, one day, one day, we'd like to have you guys, you come and you bring your family, and we'll make sure it's on a weekend where there's a home game on a Friday night so we can go out and take the, go see the fireworks and all that. We had no idea three months ago that when we chose September 20th, it was going to be the night that the Braves clinched the National League East. Woo! Sorry for all of you non-Braves fans. All right. But we've had a marvelous time this weekend with, with Pastor Mario and tomorrow and their lovely little daughter Camden who's back um, with the kids. And let me tell you. You're in for a treat. You're in for a word that's going to challenge and it's going to inspire you. But before I bring Pastor Mario up, I have to say one more thing. And I'm going to leave it with this. He's also an Atlanta Falcons fan. <laughs> Good morning. How y'all doing? Well, I do want to say I am not a Falcons fan. <laughs> Actually... I come from Baton Rouge with the word of the Lord, and it is go Tigers and who that. <laughs> and just, and just, and because I love you guys so much, I plan to preach for 28 minutes and three seconds. Is that? I'm sorry. Some of y'all get it. If you don't, that's 28 to three blew that lead, but it's okay. 
Maybe, maybe one year you'll get the Super Bowl. I can't talk too much because Drew Brees is hurt. So uh, we're kind of struggling right now. So y'all pray for Drew Brees that he has a speedy recovery in the name of the Lord because we need him back on the field ASAP. <laughs> I don't know about Teddy Bridgewater. We'll see. But anyway, man, I'm so honored to be here with you guys. Come on, y'all give it up for Pastor Hunter and Pastor Liz. I just want to say this. I honor you guys. Like, I love you guys so much, and even in the short time that we've known each other and built a relationship. And you guys are honored to have pastors that really, truly love the Lord. Like, just spending time with them, you can tell, like, they spend time in the presence of the Lord, and it's evident when you come here, and I just experienced the worship experience. The presence of the Lord is here. And that doesn't happen by just happenstance. That comes by uh, truly in the personal time, spending relationships with the Lord. And I see his love for, like, who gets 20-something-plus people to travel across the country to plant a church? Only people that truly seek the Lord. And you guys are honored. And I just want to tell you guys, you guys, y'all give y'all pastors a hand clap. They're awesome. We love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Um, my beautiful wife tomorrow. Can you please stand? Stand up, stand up. This is my wife. This is my blessing from the Lord that greatly enriches my life. True story about us. We met at church at Bethany, but the way we met was actually really strange and awkward. Two weeks prior to meeting her, a uh, leader in the church, he walked up to me one Sunday, and he, after church, he said, guess what? I'm like, what? And mind you, I've only been saved for like two months at this time. He was like, I met your wife. I'm like, what? You met my wife? And he's like, yeah, I met your wife. And he just kind of walked away. <laughs> and so I was kind of puzzled, like, what? What is this dude talking about? Flat, fast forward two weeks later, after service again, he runs up to me, like almost in a panic, like, come here, I want you to meet someone. And I'm like, okay, and it's her. And it's like literally in the front of our church with like 20 to 30 people like around us in a circle. And he's like, Mario, this is tomorrow. Tomorrow, this is Mario. And he like backs out of the way. (laughs) And it was the most awkward moment ever. And I don't think we spoke to each other for maybe like a year (laughs) after that, just because I was like, I don't want her to think I like her. I don't want, she doesn't want me to. And it was like the most awkward thing ever. And that was in 2004, and we got married in 2012. So we start. I know you guys have e-groups here. Start an e-group, because that's where you might meet your spouse. <laughs> we started a small group together in the fall of 2011. I believe it was August of 2011. We started a small group together, and it was during that time that I realized, I said, you know what? I think that leader was right. In 2004, I believe this is my wife. <laughs> we began dating in uh, October. We got engaged in May and married that August. And uh, it's been a whirlwind ever since, and it's the best decision I ever made in my life. And also, I want to thank my cousin Charlton. He's here. He lives nearby. I'll share a story with, about Charlton in a little bit. <laughs> but uh, no, man, I'm so excited to be able to share the Word of God with you guys this morning. And The subject that I want to talk to you guys about this morning is called something that every, I don't want to say Christian, I want to say a disciple. Every disciple will partake in for the rest of their life as far as they're uh, searching the Lord, and that's called the process, the process of God. The process of God is something that if you're truly a disciple, you will never depart from. It's the process of God. And before I get into the process of God, I want to tell you a little bit about my process. 
with God. You see, what I realized when I got saved in 2004 is I had a lot of dreams. How many of you have dreams? Everybody pretty much should have dreams because you need dreams. God gives you dreams. He gives you visions and dreams, and I believe that God wants those things to happen. And for me, my dream was, and Pastor Ronald mentioned it, I'm a huge Atlanta Braves fan, which I am. I love the Braves ever since I was a little boy. And um, since I was five years old, I love the Braves. But my, also my dream was to be a professional baseball player. And fast forward, I was in college at Southern University in Baton Rouge. Um, I graduated in the fall of 2017. I was trying to, I played baseball there for four years. And after, I'll skip a lot of the details and just get to the good part. So 2017, I graduate. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. And one of my friends is like, hey, I believe you should, you should be a teacher because at our church at Bethany, we have a Christian school. He's like, I believe you should be a teacher. And I'm like, ah, I don't know about teaching. I don't really like kids. So I don't really know how that's going to work. <laughs> and so, but I was like, you know what? I don't know what else to do. I guess I can teach baseball, coach baseball. It'll be great. So I went to apply for uh, a position. And the, uh, the principal of the school, she was like, hey, you graduate in December. You'll start in January. I kid you not. That night, uh, the, the day that I went home on the interview, my dad comes and he runs in the room. He's like, hey, guess what? You got a phone call. I'm like, a phone call for what? He was like, you got a phone call from the, um, the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm like, what? And he was like, yeah, they, they left a voicemail for you. Uh, you should call them. I was like, well, I guess I will. <laughs> and so I did. And it was the scouting coordinator. And he was like, hey, uh, this January, I was supposed to start. Remember, I'm supposed to start school teaching in January. He's like, hey, this January, I want uh, to fly you out to Arizona. We're having this private workout where we're just hand-selecting a few guys that we want to come out and try out for us. And I'm like, oh, man, I just told this lady I'll start in January, so I don't really know what to do. So I was like, well, let me just go to leadership and see what they say. So at the time, Pastor Larry was the, the, the pastor of the church, and I went to a Wednesday uh, men's group that they would have, and I told him the situation. I was like, can you please pray for me? And he said, sure. But my hope is he just pray for me that everything goes well and they want to sign me. <laughs> and so he did. And he prayed for me and he began to walk away. And then he turned around and he said, hey, the Lord just spoke to me and told me to tell you to go on a three-day fast. And he's like, you even realize that the Lord don't want you to play baseball. And I'm like, what? Why are you tell me that? It's like, that's not what I want to hear. And so I did. I went on a three-day fast and the tryout was on a Saturday. And sure enough, the Saturday, I'm sorry, yeah, the trial was on a Saturday. That Friday night, I was in the hotel room, and I felt not an audible voice, but the Holy Spirit speak to my heart, and he, it was a strong no, just a strong no. And I was like, okay, so do I still go out there? Like, or do I just get on the plane and go back home? But I went out there, and I had a great workout. It was one of my best performances that I had, like just in that short frame time frame and the guy after the end of the day the scouting, uh, scouting coordinator was like we'll get back in touch with you guys and let you know if we want to sign you so I fly back that Wednesday sure enough he calls me and he's like Mario we're very pleased with your workout we'd like to sign you to a contract and in that moment I said I really appreciate it but I have to decline and he was like what like he was upset he like I couldn't see his face but I knew he was upset by the tone of his voice and he's like what do you mean no and I was like, well, I feel like the Lord is calling me in a different direction, and I have to decline. And he was like, are, are, are you sure? 
I'm like, I think so. I was like, <laughs> I was like, but yes, I'm sure, I'm sure. And he's like, all right, if you ever change your mind, just let me know. And that was in two thousand. That was January two thousand and eight. And that began the process of God for my life that will eventually lead to me becoming a pastor. But I will tell you this is that what I realized is that the process of God, as sometimes it may not always seem fair, it may not always seem like God is with you, it may not always seem like you don't know what's going on. It's like nobody understands what I'm going through. Sometimes it may, be, may even mean laying down your dreams, like for me. So for years, I struggled with the fact that my dream that I wanted to do my whole life, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. I had that opportunity. Now I'm stuck in a place where I don't know what to do with my life. I'm serious. I had literally all my, I, don't guess, I want you to understand this. I literally sacrificed my whole life to be a baseball player. All my spare time, I would train. Like everything, I, it was like I would go to school, I would train, I would go to practice, I would go back home, change clothes, and then I would go train again. Like that's all I did. I wanted to be a baseball player. And to have it there and the Lord say no was very, it, was, it shook my faith. Because I'm like, God, I serve you. I love you. This is my dreams. You give us dreams. But why are you taking it away from me? But I feel like what I realized in that moment is that is, is God bigger than my dreams? Is God bigger than your dreams? Because sometimes what I realize is that our dreams can get in the way of us doing what God really called us to do. And it's like you have to ask yourself, am I allowing my dreams to get in the process of what God is trying to do in me to do what he wants to do in my life? But we have to ask ourselves, am my dreams bigger than God? Because guess what? Baseball was bigger than God in my eyes. And that was the last thing that I feel like God says, you gave me everything but that is the one thing that I know that you hold dear to your heart, and I want you to give it to me. Now, I'm not saying that God is going to tell you to, to give up your dreams. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this. Are you willing to sacrifice everything to do what God has called you to do? That is what a disciple does. A disciple lays down everything in order to fulfill the call of God on their life. And Galatians 2.20 says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. And I feel like in that moment, God was saying, I want to see if that I is still living. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't matter how long you've been walking with God. Sometimes he'll go back to, let's see if that old self has been crucified for real. It's like he'll test that old self to see if, let's see if that old self is still there. And so today we're talking about the process of God, but it's three things that I noticed about the process of God that I want to share with you guys. And, and this is really an encouraging word because I feel like this is something that I'm currently, I'm walking through this right now myself. It's like, there's been tons of transition in our lives and just talking to Pastor Hunter is like, Pastor Hunter's in the process. Him and Pastor Liz, they're in the process and the process is a great thing. And I want you to get this too. It's like, just because if you're not in God's process, doesn't mean you're not saved. I want to make that clear. If you're not in God's process, doesn't mean you're not saved. Just don't expect God to do anything in your life because you rejected his process. So if you're not in God's process, you probably are frustrated right now with where you are in your life. Because the most I've ever been frustrated is when I've rejected God's process for my life. And that's truth. And, and certain things that you walk through will make you realize, hey, wait, am I in God's process? <laughs> And so today, I'm going to help you understand if you're in God's process. And it's going to be very clear if you're in God's process or if you've been rejecting God's process. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you that your presence is here. Lord, we feel it so strong right now. I thank you that you're opening up our hearts, not to receive from me, but to hear from you. 
Speak to each and every heart, Lord God, what you would have to say to them directly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One thing I do want to say about God's process is there's safety in God's process. There is so much safety and security in God's process. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. But the thing about God's process, there is future, there's a hope, there's security, there's safety. And it says it's not for disaster. Sometimes we make a disaster of our own lives because we've rejected God's plan for our life. And the plan that he has for us is his process. <laughs> and once you reject the process, guess what? There's disaster that's going to wait. And I know sometimes you may feel like, well, I feel like I'm serving the Lord and there's disaster everywhere. <laughs> well, sometimes it does feel like that. But there's safety there. Because the enemy will always come to try to derail you from the process that God has for you. He'll throw all types of things in your way to get you to derail the process that God is trying to perfect in your life. And the first way that I've realized in my life and just, just seeing a few things is that this is the first. I'm going to give you three steps to the process of God. And this is the first of three steps is that God prunes us. God prunes us. God's pruning, it makes us tough. It makes us tenacious. It burns out wrong motives. It burns out wrong uh, uh, impure thoughts, uh, selfish ambitions, selfish desires. When God begins to prune you, he begins to work on your character. And there's something about God pruning you and working on your character that it perfects you. It perfects the work that God is trying to do in you to accomplish the work he has for you. But you have to accept his pruning. And in John chapter 15, verse 1 through 2, it says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You want to be successful for the Lord? Allow him to prune you. You don't want to be successful for the Lord? You don't want to be used for the Lord? Don't allow him to prune you. Just reject his pruning. If you don't want to be used by the Lord or be fruitful for the Lord, reject his pruning. You want to be successful? Accept his pruning. But this is what I realized is that people reject God's pruning. Why? Because it's painful. His pruning is painful. Remember I said you can serve the Lord and feel like this is a disaster all around you? Why? Because God's pruning you. God's working. He's changing attitudes. He's shifting things, your perspective, your everything inside of you begins to change and shift things that you thought were true or not. It's like, whoa, what's going on? I used to like this, now I don't. And God is giving me desires that I never felt before. And it, it, I don't know what's going on. It's what, he's pruning you. He's pruning you. He's working on you. And you have to be willing to accept God's pruning, but it is painful. And that sometimes it does feel like it's unfavorable. Think about it. When I gave up baseball, that was very unfavorable for me. <laughs> That was an unfa- it was in 2008 that I um, that that happened to me. It wasn't until 2000, I would say, 12 that I actually felt a call to ministry. So for that, from 2008 to 2012, I felt like the children of Israel. I was just warm, roaming through the uh, through the, the through the wilderness. I was like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. And guess what? Whenever I will reject God's process, you know what I would want to do? Go back to play baseball. I remember it was one time so strong, I was like, I'm tired of this. This doesn't make sense. I'm still young. I'm going to play baseball. And, like, I was willing to walk away from everything that God was doing in my life at the time to say I want to pursue what's comfortable to me. Because in the moment, the pruning was not comfortable. It's not something that I wanted to experience because it was painful. And I wanted to abandon ship. And another thing that I realized about God's pruning and ways that you can reject it is by leadership. 
And this is what I mean by that. I've seen people use leadership as a way to say, I'm here to serve others and help others. That's true. But God says, I'm here to prune you, to change you. But you can hide behind leadership in your duties as a way to regret, to reject God's pruning. Because, oh, my title is this. I'm too busy organizing this. And you can get so caught up in leadership that you forget to allow the Lord to work in your heart. But this is one of the ways I realize that God prunes you is through service. When you begin to serve, God begins to prune. Nothing tests your heart and prunes you like serving. It's when somebody can say a simple, hey, there's, that bathroom is, is, is not clean. Can you please go clean? Me? You want, that's not my title. That's not my responsibility. Don't we have people? No. Why? Because it's checking your heart. When you begin to serve, service, this is what I love about serving. Serving positions you to hear from God. That's all service does. When you begin to serve your family, you begin to serve in the local church, all it does is position yourself to hear from God. And the moment that you begin to reject service or servant of any kind, what you do is, by default, you uh, cause yourself not to position yourself to hear from God. So if you feel like, man, I haven't, got, hear God, I haven't heard God speak to me in a long time, you have to ask yourself, are you serving? Are you serving? Because service speaks to your heart like nothing that I've ever experienced in my life. And what I realized during that time frame of not knowing what I wanted to do, guess what I was doing? I was serving. <laughs> I've done everything in the church imaginable. And guess what? I'm, I'm serious. Like, not trying to be funny, but it was all for my pruning. It was all for my pruning to perfect, perfect the work that God had for my life. And so, man, service speaks to your heart like no other. And I think about Samuel. You know, Samuel, he positioned himself in the temple to hear from God. But the thing about it was he didn't know God was speaking to him. But this is the other cool thing about service. It's like when you begin to serve, you may not know that God is speaking to you, but you hear something. But there will always be someone there that says, I don't hear what you hear, but I know it's God. And I can tell you how to respond when you hear God speak to you. And it's like by serving, you position yourself also to for leadership to say, hey, I don't hear what God is speaking to you. But when he does speak, let me help you position yourself so you can hear from God. So even though Samuel positioned himself, he still needed an Eli to help him understand how to respond to God. And some of you, you've positioned yourself, but you're like, I don't know how to respond to God. That's because you hadn't followed under leadership. And it's like there's covering and protection and leadership. Yes, Samuel positioned himself, but he also submitted to the leadership of Eli to allow him to speak into his life. And when you cut off leadership from speaking to your life, then you get lost in a place where, is that God? I don't know if that's God. Well, maybe I should do this. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Well, it seems like, a, but is it? Is why? Because you don't know how to distinguish when God, distinguish when God is speaking to you or it's yourself. Because you've rejected the covering and the leadership over your life. And this is not a word to cut you or anything like that. It's just a heart check to see where are you in the process of God? This, all these things are just trying to help identify, am I in the process of God? So you have to ask yourself, when I'm, or is something resonating with you like, man, that's me? Or, well, I don't know any of that. It's like you have to ask yourself, man, where am I in the process of God? And I just want to share a quick story about how just to kind of, I, I love sports, obviously. And... Um, <laughs> Big sports fans, who that? And, um, and, so, and so in my college, our college is very, like, they're getting back there now. We're praying for them that they get back to the, to the glory days. But when I was there, we had won three conference titles in a row. And my freshman year, we had the number two overall pick, 
coincidentally, by the Milwaukee Brewers, Ricky Weeks. He was picked second overall in all, uh, all of college baseball. And in 2004, we had just won three straight championships. So we returned a lot of starters, and we were very talented. 2004 was the most talented team I've ever played on in my life. And it was a lot of expectation going into the year. And guess what? We lost the first two games of our conference title. And it was like this disappointment that came over our team. 2005, I'm sorry, go back to 2004, we had eight players drafted on that team. There's nine people that can play. We had eight people drafted on that team. That's how talented we were. 2005, we was a whole group of kids. We started off the season 0-13. We started, <laughs> that's pretty bad. We started off 0-13. And then even in our coach, his way of, a, he was a, a philosophy major. So his way of motivating you was to tell you how bad you were. <laughs> like literally, he would just walk up to you, you're pathetic. I mean, you're just pathetic. And, but that was his way of motivating you. So he went, like any good coach would do, he went to the papers. And he told the, uh, the newspaper uh, uh, writer, he was like, you know what? This team, I don't know much about them. I'm just getting ready for next year. And he knew we would see that. And you know what we did? As a team, we had a players-only meeting. And we said, you know what? If we're going to win this, we have to do it for ourselves. But we have to work hard. So that, in April, and, and it's hot here. It's hot in Louisiana, too. Very hot. So what we would do is we would show up early and practice hard. After practice, we would run sprints, but we would run sprints so hard that the coaches would be like, they would try to make us tired, but we would not quit because we were so driven and so hungry to be successful. And fast forward in our conference tournament, that's where my cousin Charlton was. He could testify to this because he was there. It was in Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> the first game of the tournament, we lost. It's double elimination. So now we have to win four games in three days. And let me tell you, it was hot. And everybody knew that we're Southern. Everybody wants to beat us, so they give us our best shot. We had to win four games in three game, days, and we actually won the championship. But the whole point of that is this, is that in April, when we decided to run and to sprint and to do all these things and hold ourselves accountable, that was the pruning. It was the pruning that, that uh, prepared us for the big moments in the championship game. Because we didn't realize we were going to have to win four games in three days. And if we weren't in, the shape, in shape, we wouldn't have won. But we won the championship because we allowed the pruning, which was painful. Nobody wanted to do it. If somebody didn't want to run, we were like, look, man, you got one more time not to run or it was going to be some laying on of hands. But, but, and that's true. That was, it, was a lot of, it was a lot of that going on. But it was like, but we held each other accountable. But what I realized is that, and how does this uh, compared to our lives. It compares like this. A lot of times what I realize is we uh, rely on our giftings and talents to get us where we want to go. It's like what we did was we were like, oh, we're talented. We're good in 2004. That got us nowhere. In 05, we were hungry and we knew we had to work hard and it got us where we wanted to go. So if you're a person that says my gifts and talents will get me where God wants me to go, you're going to end up in disappointment. It's like don't rely on your gifting and talents alone. Because that will leave you in a place of always wanting more. Don't rely on your gift and the talents. Allow the Lord to prune you. Amen? Because the pruning, it perfects you. Because what I also realize is that people live for the big moments. If you look at social media, people look, they want to show you the high life. 
Look how great my life is. They don't want to show you the lowlights. It's like because people live for big moments. But if you hadn't went through the process of pruning, don't expect the big moments to go the way that you thought they would because you hadn't prepared yourself for those big moments. So the first way that God uses the process to, uh, is to prune us. The second way is God tests us. He tests us. It's like we say we want to be used by God, but then God says, okay, let me test you to see if that's what you really want. When I got the, when I got the, the, um, the confirmation or the, like the, the, the voice of the Holy Spirit spoke to me to tell me that, tell me that I wanted to be a pastor, that I was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to be a pastor. <laughs> but guess what? When I became a pastor, it was nothing like nothing what I thought a pastor was. <laughs> pastor Hunter can testify. So guess what? At our church, we have a, if some, a lot of you have been to Bethany before. So if there is something going on, guess what? The pastors do a lot of the work. So if there's conference or something going on and, and, and the building needs a refresher, guess who goes in and pulls up the carpet? We do, the pastors. If the buildings need to be repainted, Guess who paints the buildings? We do. If the parking lot needs to be pressure washed in 100 degree heat, guess who goes out and do it? The pastors. If the parking lot needs to be restriped, guess who goes out and do the work? We do. So you catch what I'm saying? It's like, you're like, well, what does that have to do with the pastor? It's called, it's called service. But God tests your heart through service. And if you can't allow the Lord to test you through service, then how can you say you want to be used by God? Because God's way of using you is through service. What did Jesus come to do? He says, I didn't come to be served. I come to serve others. So if you can't serve others through testing, how can you expect to say, God, I want to be used by you? You have to be willing to serve. And God tests you through service. And what I love about service is service, it gives you language. It gives you language to what you're walking through. Because a lot of times we just look at what we're walking through and we just, it's, we're very introspective. It's like everything is, oh, I'm internalizing. Oh, woe is me. And all you see is your issue or whatever it is that you're going through. But you never turn and say, well, while I'm walking through this, how can I serve others? Because the moment you turn your attention from self to others, what it is, happens is you position yourself to allow the Lord to speak to your heart again. You create opportunities to allow the Lord to speak to your heart through testing by service. And we can't neglect the service. Testing really exposes your heart and your faith. Nothing tests your foundation of faith like a test. It's like you think you're saved until you go through something. No, seriously. It's like you think, oh, I love the Lord. I never, I'll never, you'd be like Peter. Oh, Lord, I would never deny you. Until something happens, you're like, man, I don't know about this church thing. Man, I've been serving the Lord for like two months, and it's just not happening. To, it's not happening the way I thought they said I was, my life was supposed to be better when I served the Lord. Not necessarily. And you have to ask yourself, man, am I allowing the Lord to test my heart? And the way he tests your heart is through service. His presence gives us strength to endure because we know he's with us. What gives, the only thing that, this is the only thing, seriously, that gives me great pleasure through testing is know that I have his presence and his presence is with me. That I can tap into his presence at any given time and I say, you know what, I feel God is with me. Because his presence is knowing that he's with you. 
So when you're facing through, uh, through tests, don't reject or run from the church or run from his presence. You run to it. Because when you run to it, you, be, you get strength. You get joy. You get faith. Everything inside of you gets rejuvenated to go out and do and face the test because you found strength in his presence. But the more that you reject his presence while you're facing the test, the more discouraged you become. And the more isolated you become. And the more frustrated you become. And you say, man, why am I going? Because you've run away from his presence. His presence is always with you. That's what I love. It's like at, when we're in worship, worship is not a time to look and just gaze and figure out what next, what's the next song. It's a time to enter into the presence of God. <laughs> and it's like, man, worship. Thank you so much for worship today. Y'all give y'all worship team a great round of applause. You guys did an awesome job this morning. And I felt the presence of God. Like it was strong. And that's something that you shouldn't take for granted. Man, they have four different, it's four different uh, prayer times. Five. That's even better. So it's there. It's no excuse not to meet at least one of those prayer times. And if you can't make all five, I know your schedule may not allow, but if you can't, don't run from God's presence. Run to it. Because the more you run into God's presence, he begins to speak to you. He refreshes you to go out and do the work that he's called you to do. And when you don't, what happens is you rely on your gift and talents and then you get burned out. Don't rely on your own strength. It will always disappoint. No matter how gifted, no matter how talented you think you are, and you may be, if you do that long enough, you will get burned out and you will get frustrated and you will quit. Don't run away from his presence. And what I realized about this is this. There's nobody that is exempt from God's test. Nobody. And like I said, nobody's exempt, but also God's presence is with us, and we can tap into that at any time we want to. Four times in the Bible, it says that God says that he will not leave us nor forsake us. Four different times. He says, I will not leave you nor forsake you. So what does that mean? He's always with us. But then what I realize is that I know God will not leave me or forsake me, but what about the moments when I abandon him? What about those times? What, what about those times where I abandon him? And I was looking at leave and forsake. That sounds like the same thing, right? Leave, forsake. Leave, forsake. Sounds like the same thing, but it's not. To leave means to actually remove yourself from someone's presence. To forsake actually means to emotionally remove yourself from a situation. So God is saying, not only will I not leave my presence from you, but emotionally I'm there with you as well. It's like, so I feel what you're going through, and I'm here too. But there's times where we abandon. And it's like this. Sometimes you may not leave something, but you've forsaken it. And so you could be in a job that you didn't leave, but you've forsaken your job. And it's like, you're frustrated at your job. Well, I'm still here. Yeah, but you've forsaken your job. You could be in a marriage that you didn't leave. Well, I'm still here, but you've forsaken your marriage emotionally. You've emotionally detached yourself. And as a pastor, man, I've had my wife and I, we've counseled and seen so many things are going on with marriages and it's funny that people always expect the other person to get better in the marriage but yet they never ask themselves have I forsaken this marriage it's like so in other words it's like you're trying to pray for something to get better that you already emotionally disconnected from it's like how can you expect your job to get better if you're emotionally forsaken it it can't how can something get cured that you're not attached to so if you're saying, you know what, I don't like my job that I'm in right now, you have to ask yourself, I didn't leave it because I need to get paid. <laughs> and I got to eat. 
so you may not have left your job, but you're forsaken it. And I found myself in that situation one time too. I was in a job that I didn't like and I was, had a bad attitude about it. And I met with the leader at church and he was like, well, you got two options. He's like, you can quit or you can change your attitude. And I was like, well, I can't quit because I need, I got to eat. <laughs> and so I was like, maybe I need to change my attitude. <laughs> and guess what I did? And the job got a lot better. <laughs> but the point is, is that God, he will never leave you or forsake you for a trial. But we have to ask ourselves, have I even abandoned the church? You could be present in the building right now. You didn't leave it. But emotionally, have you forsaken the church? Have you forsaken leadership? Well, I'll show up to prayer, but I don't want to pray. I'll do this because they asked me to, but emo- like all the arguments on the inside of you, how do you expect it to get better if you've forsaken it? You have to allow the Lord to refresh your soul by his presence. You're going through testing, get in his presence. His presence is all you need to endure the test because he will not leave you nor forsake you as long as you run into his presence. Amen? Amen. 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 So first way of God tests us is through, I'm sorry, God's process is pruning. He prunes us. The second is he tests us. And the third is he releases us. And you say, well, releases what? Releases us into what he's want, he wants you to do. And this is a joyous time when he releases you into what he wants for you to do. Because that's when you get to do flips and cartwheels and you get to rejoice and you come to church excited. Yes, I'm great to be in a kind of church. Woo! And like you, you fired. It's always fun to see someone get launched into a new responsibility because they're so fired up and so passionate about it. Oh, I'm here to serve today. I'm so great. That's, why? Because they were just released to do something different. And it's like they went through the pruning. They went through the testing. It's now I'm in a promised land and I get to do something. And that's awesome. So if you find yourself in a place of release, enjoy it. <laughs> You've made it. You've arrived. No, seriously, re, like, enjoy it. <laughs> Rejoice when you, when you reach that place where God has released you. Uh, Matthew, I'm sorry, yeah, Matthew 27, 46 says, oh, that was, I forgot to say this, but I'll say this too just for free. <laughs> Talking about testing. Jesus even went through testing, and he felt abandoned by the Father when he was on the cross. He said, why have you forsaken me? So like I said, testing no one is exempt from it. Even Jesus felt testing and he felt abandoned by, he felt abandoned by God. So if he felt it, guess what? You're going to feel it too. But his presence is the key. So I, I, I did want to mention that and throw that in there for free. So you're like, well, Jesus didn't. Yes, he did. He felt it. He felt it. But man, what I love about when God releases you is that this. It's like you can look back and you can clearly see what God worked through you through his process when he releases you. But isn't it funny how you only see it after, you're, after it's over with? It's like you don't recognize, ooh, I thank you, God, for pruning my character and my attitudes. But in the moment, it's painful. You don't want to. But what I realize is that when God releases you, we have to be masters at identifying the process of God for our lives. So when we do get released, like, you can take that and you can supersede and help others go through the process as well, as well because what happens is you can easily identify, I've been there, I know how to help you position yourself to see what God is doing in your life. So we have to be masters at identifying the process of God when we're released to help others walk through their process. Because you don't just walk through what you're walking through for yourself, you're walking through that for others as well. 
And we have to be others minded when we're in the place of releases. Like now that I'm in this position or now that I have this platform, how can I bring other people up with me as well to help them do the same thing? It's not of a place to say I've arrived. Now look at me. It's like, no, who can I be lift up? So when God releases you, it's not just for you. It's for others. God put you in that position because you can only reach the people in your circle of influence that I could never reach. And God wants you to reach those around you when you're released to what he's, do, he's called you to do. But you have to go through his process before he can release you. And you have to ask yourself, when I get released, am I others focused? Because guess what? When you release, guess what? There's a process that's going to come at some point again. And you're going to go through the same thing again. And you cannot reject God's process in your life. Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 7, it says... Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. You know how he does that? Through his process. He tells you which path to take through his process. So if you're in here today and you say, man, this, this helped me a lot. I, I recognize I'm in God's process, and I've, I feel the, the perfect, the pruning of my character. If you say, you know what, I don't feel any of this, but I realize Man, I've run from God's presence. I've run from God's pruning or his testing. I've laid it down aside. Today is just a, an opportunity to get back into alignment for the process that God has for you. Amen? Amen. And I want to go back to, to that first point about God's pruning. What I realized before I got saved is that I went through a lot of self-inflicted things in my life that I just bought on myself. And what I did was I said that this is painful, so this is God working on me. I hear that people say that a lot. It's like they go through something bad, and it's like, this is God. This is God's test for me. It's like, no, that's self-inflicted. God never intended for you to walk through that. All those things are self-inflicted. And some of you may feel like you're in that position right now where you say, man, I thought I was going through testing, but I realized it's just on my own selfish will, my own selfish ways that's causing me to, be, to go through things that God never really intended for me. And that is a miserable place to be because you'll find yourself saying prayers like, God, if you get me out of this, I'll never do it again. Or worse than that, you'll say, God, I don't even know why you're doing this to me. Why would I ever serve you when you don't care about what I'm going through? Nobody cares about me. Nobody loves me. But that's a lie. When I hear my little girl call my name, I don't ignore her. I run to her. And when, we, and when our Heavenly Father, when he hears us call him, he says, you know what? I want to run to you. But today I want to ask yourself, have you been running away from the presence of God? The issues of life, the trials of life, the things that you've been walking through, have you been trying to do it in your own strength and your own power and rejected God's presence and find your place, yourself in a place where you say, you know what? Man, I, if I were to be honest, I don't even have a relationship with God because a lot of the stuff you're talking about, I would like to do that. I just don't know how. And with that, I just want to ask everyone just to bow their heads and close their eyes. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.